You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. And we are going to rob it. Not the ball itself. Oh. On the neck of Daphne Kluger. Valued at over a hundred million dollars. The hundred and fifty million, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge. It's a twofer. Do not run a job in a job. Taylor Swift? Can't we just go to this? Do we have to steal stuff? Yes. Is it genetic? Are the whole family like this? Literally. Hello and welcome from the glamorous lifestyle that we are living here in the 602 Club. I have to say we are looking fantastic this evening. I mean, this this show is exclusive as uh, the Met Gala. Um, I and and uh, you know, I am I'm really proud to have back with us. Uh, it's been a long time, and uh, I it's it's been it too long. But uh, as you can hear, the one and only Alice Baker. Thank you so much for having me back. You look lovely in your Valentino <laughs> suit, I must say. Quite uh, Well, you know, dashing. only the best. Goes well only with that best, scotch you, you have. Know. Um, <laughs> let's, yeah, as I, as I sip, you know, uh, $3,600 glass whiskey, you know, so... If only, um, yeah. If only, uh, forgive right. the uh, t-shirt and sweatpants. <laughs> oh gosh! But uh, we're going to be talking about Ocean's Eight tonight. Um, so this should be fun to to be able to dive into this as they continue the Ocean series. And uh, before we do that, though, uh, reminder, you know, you can find uh, the 602 Club and Trek FM everywhere, uh, where, wherever you get your podcasts. But uh, if you happen to get your podcast from uh, Apple Podcast, make sure you go over there and give us a star rating in review. And, and I just wanted to call this out today. And I wanted to say a huge thank you. Um, the last two days have been very big days for the 602 Club um, and the amount of uh, people that have been listening, uh, looking at the download numbers, and and just absolutely 100% floored. We had two of the best days we've had since last year. So I really wanted to say a huge thank you to wow. everybody. And um, as I'm talking about reviews, I'm looking right now, and there is a brand new review from uh, for the 602 Club on iTunes. And so uh, thank you to Tigers JC. 86 and it says some nerd fun five stars so they gave us five stars and they said it's been great being a nerd and listening to fellow nerds gush over with well nerd stuff listen and enjoy thank you so much and and you know what we 
absolutely 100% enjoy being able to gush over nerd stuff when we can uh, here on the show. So um, thank you for the review. Uh, follow their lead. Give us one over there on iTunes. Help people find the show. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, we're wherever you get your podcasts. So you can find us all over the place. We're on Twitter at TrekFM, Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM, where there's the listeners-only discussion group where you can talk with the rest of the people who listen over there in a very exclusive group. Uh, it's not that exclusive because we'll let you write in. If you go over to Facebook, type Babel onto the <laughs> search field, has to be let in the group, we'll let you in. Uh, and then, too, uh, if uh, you are over on the website at Trek.fm and maybe you're perusing the show pages and you see the little discussion button there, Click that, and, and that can get you the group as well. Uh, Trek.fm is a great place to visit. You can see all the shows that we do here in the network. We have way too many for me to even name. Uh, but <laughs> we have some great shows, so check that out. And while you're over there, if you decided, hey, you know, I'd love to send them a email on what they were talking about. I love getting emails on the show. In fact, Alice has actually written us some emails. She's actually sent us some voicemails. And so, um, yeah, Absolutely. which is awesome. So uh, go over there, trek.fm slash contact, choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and that will give you the opportunity to send me an email as well as any of the hosts that are on that week since we have a rotating wonderful band. I, I just like to think of it as my posse, um, and 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 I'm not really the leader. I just I just get to wrangle all these awesome people. Um, it's kind of like herding cats, honestly. <laughs> so, um, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. I love every one of the people who come on the show, and I honestly wouldn't be able to do it alone because without them, it's just me talking to you, and that's totally boring. So, um. <laughs> I doubt but, that actually. I doubt that you would probably do just fine. You on know, a solo I've never podcast. tried a solo podcast. <laughs> I, I I could probably do it, but it, you know, it would take a lot of editing to make me actually sound smart. So, <laughs> um, it's coming into this one. You know, we've never done a oceans film here, and so I was just kind of wondering. You know, I feel like it's always smart to when you come into a series and they've already done a bunch of movies. Uh, and we've never talked about them on the show before to kind of see where we were. And I'm I'm kind of wondering for you, with the three Oceans films that they did before this one, um, what is your Oceans history, Alice? Uh, I believe, it's funny, because just as you started to say that, I was like, oh, wait, I have to remember what my history is. Well, I love a good heist film. And so when the, when the first one came out, uh, I definitely flocked to the theater and and it's a great, fun, funny heist film. I remember enjoying it uh, quite a bit and was on board for Ocean's 12 and went and saw that one. I tend to have a habit of the, the first one of anything I like the best, and then it's usually downhill from there. Uh, and it's no difference with the um, Ocean's films. Uh, it, when we'll talk about how this last one falls into place. Uh, but, but for the... The, the last one, for the last one, Ocean's 13, when she's talking about um, her brother being dead, I have to say when I was in theater, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, yes. maybe I don't remember that movie as well as I, what happened? <laughs> so yeah. I will confess not remembering that last film as, as well as perhaps I should. <laughs> no, I absolutely uh, agree with you. Um, I, when, when that happened, I was like, huh? And then, and then they they alluded to the fact that maybe he wasn't dead throughout the movie, that yes. he had just faked his death, which right. I'm hoping that's the case. In fact, I thought that there was going to be an end credit stinger where 
he came back like oh. like where he walked up behind her i kept waiting for that to happen um and being like you know hello debbie you know just just in his <laughs> you know george clooney way and, and then that would right. have been the end so uh i we just re uh watched oceans 11 and i think that may not have been the best move going into this film Oh, yeah, I can see where that would be a problem. Yeah, and I was reminded just how good it is um, because I I think everything in that movie works so well because of the way uh, the cast works together, the way the characterization from the cast comes together, the storyline for the different characters, uh, you know, the, the, the editing, the way it's shot. Everything sells that movie. And and what they're selling is cool, you know. I mean, it, it it's just coolness. Um, and and they they find a way to do that that also allows you to have some interest in the characters. And and so the first one, I'm right there with you, is is a still phenomenal. Um, now when we say the first one, we realize it's a remake. We're not talking about right, the right, original right. with <laughs> Dean Martin and the guys. So yes, um, I have seen that one too, but but only once, and it was quite some time ago. So I I can't say that I remember it particularly well. Thir- uh, I remember going into 12. Um, I was, uh, now I have not seen 12 in a quite a long time, but I remember being severely disappointed in 12. Mm. And then 13 found a way to redeem itself in the sense that it wasn't another 12. Um, mm. And it felt more like the original, but it still wasn't as good as the original. Um and so I, I'm I'm with you this that so far this is a series that I feel like you, the first one was really the best one and none of the others were completely able to recapture the magic. Um, I agree. And so um which brings us to Ocean's 8. And I'm wondering what your just kind of general thoughts were just as the movie ended what was your feeling as you came out of this one i i went with a girlfriend um so we had a you know sort of a girls night out uh and i remember coming out of the theater being like you know i enjoy i didn't hate that i didn't hate it Mm -hmm. which is the thing that i say about movies a lot these days uh because there were definitely things that I liked about it and enjoyed, especially as somebody who has loved fashion since being a very young girl. Um, but there were also issues with it. And my overarching problem that I had with it, as I came out of it going like, why did they have to make it so similar to the first one? Yes. Um, I, I feel like if you're going to try and continue to keep a franchise alive, I realize with some franchises it doesn't work, although they did it with James Bond, right? I'm like getting ahead of myself. What I was going to say is you need to find a way to have it still relate to the first bunch of films Mm -hmm. in the series, but be different and exciting enough in its own way that it keeps your interest. Um, But then having said that, I thought, oh, but there are plenty of series where they just use the same old formula over and over and over again, and it works just fine. Um, But that was really my, my overarching thought was like, why did they make it so similar to the first one? I like what you're saying here because I, I, I went with my wife. We went on Sunday. Um, you know, she was working late um, all throughout uh, the, the end of the week. So we weren't able to go to like, you know, a uh, Thursday night like we normally would. 
Uh, and I turned to her and I, I, I said, what'd you think? And she goes, eh. And, and I, I was left with that feeling too, that there was, and, and as we started dissecting it together, as we, we often do, and when we, especially when we don't like a movie or, or we're just kind of left with a feeling, we try to figure out what it is. And, uh, we really came down to what you were saying, where it, it, it felt so similar to the first movie, but then it wasn't able to capture the magic through either the character storylines, but also the heist itself. Like, um, I, I, I wonder what you think about this, because... The heist itself, honestly, to me, felt too easy. Huh. Com- especially compared to the first movie. Like, you know, when they do those so, reveals, you know, and they like they uh-huh. show you how everything actually went down and it right, kind of blows right. your mind. Like, I didn't have that feeling here. I felt like, oh, this was just really easy. Because then when they do the big reveal, it was like, Oh, they just store more jewels, you know, like, okay. Oh, so that's what I was going to ask you. Are you talking about the, the complexity and the difficulty of of the um, first heist or yeah. really the, the <laughs> real heist? Yeah, kind of. I, but I mean, I, yeah, I, I feel like it all together still didn't add up to something that ever really felt like they were in danger. So that I wasn't ever on the edge of my seat in the way that I feel like, you know, the first one gives you some moments where you're like, oh, oh, this is about to go really south, you know? I can see what you're saying. I I feel like in some ways for this film, uh, which I, mean, I don't feel you can step away from the fact that it's, you know, it's eight, eight women uh, plus a dude that you don't learn about until later. Um, <laughs> the token dude. <laughs> the token dude uh, who comes in later. Uh, you know, at least he's not a token white dude. Um, that, you know, in the first one, there's still all of the, it's still very masculine in its presentation, right? There are guys with guns and people are coming in and it's, you know, at the very end. Um, not the buildup, certainly, which is all fun and games and very clever. But but at the end, they're still being stormed by FBI agents and it's very big in some way. And this film just doesn't have that. I agree with you there. Um, so the, the tension uh, that they're trying to create with the storyline, I agree with you 100%, falls flat of that if that's what you were looking for. But again, I feel like I could never figure out when I was struggling I'm like, if the other films hadn't existed before this one, would I be truly having this reaction or not? Or am I only having this reaction because I can't help but compare it to the other films? So I struggled with that. And I really like that question because I feel like that's their fault, not yours. True. (laughs) You know, like they put themselves in this position and therefore um, I don't think that the question then can ever be, can I judge this on its own or do I have to judge this against with the other ones that I've seen? Because you can't. But I I do want to ask you, so try and put yourself in a world where you haven't seen the other ones. Do you feel like this movie was a good enough movie in the sense that, like, the storyline there with, and, and just the, the overall, like, heist that they do and then the characters that they have, do you feel like it, it it left you feeling 
satisfied in, in the way that you would hope it would, even regardless of how you felt about, you know, the first, second, or third Oceans film. Right. So I th- if, I, if I were to try and do that, um, it, especially if, I, if I'm thinking like I really thought Oceans 11 was an A film, like it was an A film, solid A film, like totally enjoyable, you know, maybe tiny little things wrong with it, but really just a ripping good time at the movies. And the Oceans 8 that lives in that world is really just a, a C Mm-hmm. maybe even a C minus in places. Right. If Ocean's 11 didn't list, I, for me, this would probably be more like a B film because it. I think in the world where Ocean's 8 lives on its own, I would really give it a B primarily because it's about other things that I like to geek out about uh, because I'm a big fashion mm-hmm. geek. So, right. you know, seeing all the fashion, seeing Anna Wintour, seeing Zach Posen, you know, the whole joke about the Toussaint jewels and Cartier, you know, all of that kind of stuff I get because I'm a huge fashion nerd. Um, and I think I would have enjoyed those elements more if I hadn't been so caught up with trying to be like, but why? Why are you? They're having exactly the same conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did they make that choice? <laughs> well, and and as you're saying that, I'm also thinking that you're also going to very secondary parts of any film to say that it would be a B, but it's only a B because you liked these, you know, parts of the film that aren't supposed to be the strongest part, right? They're the, supposed to be the icing on the cake, not the meat of the story. Oh, I see what you're saying. Sure. Um, I would qualify that because I, although I don't feel like the way they presented the heist was as exciting as they did in the first film, I didn't find it that clunky. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say there were there were definitely some pacing issues in the presentation. Um but other than that, I, I really was okay with it, especially if I'm not comparing it to anything else. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, I was I was putting myself in that place uh, and trying to and, and thinking through it. And it, it is very difficult to do, but I don't know if the movie necessarily changes too much for me because I think that my problems with the film are more filmmaking problems less than mm. they are necessarily uh, a comparison problem. And so um, so for me, uh, I think just to spell it out, um, I think the real issue here is that none of the characters that they've created for the film seem to have a storyline that draws me in and makes me feel a part of their story. Uh, in a way that makes the the heist and everything that's happening there um, become almost like the secondary issue. Because I felt like the storytelling plot elements, like I'm not connecting with Sandra Bullock's character or Kate Blanchett's character or any of them really because I don't feel like they're really given a lot of differentiation to stand apart from each other either. There, There's just hmm. not... There wasn't enough here for me to really connect with any of them so I could follow their story and feel like you want to feel like you care about your characters that you're watching. And I just I I never felt like I connected with any of them that I cared enough. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they're women because I love all the women in this movie and I went into it very hopeful that it would be good because I'm a massive Kate Planchette fan 
I've loved Sandra Bullock since While You Were Sleeping, you know, uh, I've loved Anne Hathaway since The Princess Diaries, you know, like, these are people that have been falling for the, you know, Helen Bottom Carter is pretty much genius in so much of what she does, you know, um, so all of these people are, you know, great people, um, and can do so many things, I just, I didn't feel like they gave them these massive actresses much to do. That's interesting because I and again, what am I doing in my head? I'm thinking back to well, who are the Ocean's Eleven's characters? There are the two died dudes who drive the car, and then there's the guy that works at the hotel, and then there's the old dude, you know. And I'm like running through my head and trying to think of like, well, what did they do in the first film that was so fabulous with those characters? Other than it was the first, the mm-hmm. first go at this style of movie making. But I think I maybe connected with the characters a little bit more than you did. I liked the. Um, you know, friendship, very close friendship partnership between uh, Kate Blanchett and mm-hmm. um, Sandra Bullock's character. I, again, I would have, I wished, so the, then the downside of that is I wish they would have spent more time showing us, and I do believe they actually filmed it, you know, so maybe it'll be extras on a DVD release, um, their backstory back when mm-hmm. they're hustling and they're yeah. doing the bingo show me more of that mm-hmm. than the cheesy scene of them out by the water where they repeat, I mean, and it felt like almost exactly the same dialogue where Kate Blanchett's character is like, is this a double thing and you can't go after the guy? I mean, I swear it was like practically the same dialogue. I I just wish they would have made a different choice there. Mm-hmm. But I you know, I love Aquafina. I loved her character. I loved that Rihanna, you know, basically was dressed in Army Navy clothes the whole time. <laughs> you know, so I, there was enough for me uh, for the other character, Helen Bonham Carter. You know, with a tub full of Nutella spooning it in you know like as a woman I just I get that character right there in that moment you know um hey I don't know who hasn't drowned themselves in some ice cream or something like that before come on we've all done it I don't care if you're male or female it's just a reality of life right right well this is a tub of Nutella specifically a um, disturbing but yeah <laughs> Uh, so I, you know, uh, I do feel I I can totally relate to what you're saying in terms of the character connections didn't feel as strong. I just think maybe mm-hmm. I probably connected a little bit more than you did. Yeah. Well, and and I I like that you what you pulled out there. I again I, I we're on this really cool wavelength throughout this entire show so far. Like you pull out that moment where they're by the water and they're having the same discussion that reminds you of what they did in Ocean's Eleven. But it was so much better, I feel like, in Ocean's Eleven because oh, a thousand times because better. they made you <laughs> and, and and here and here's where it comes in where um I do feel like we we start with just you know we're we're gonna compare now in the original movie the storyline that they had created between Danny Ocean his wife and um Garcia's character mm-hmm. this the the owner of the club uh, the casino. That whole triangle there is so fascinating. And they create some real depth there. And 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 also when they're sticking it to the man at the end, when they're sticking it to Garcia's character, you hate that guy. Like you absolutely hate that guy. Like he's just the worst and they've shown you how he's the worst and like he doesn't care about anybody but himself. Like but in this movie, you know, like, I don't care about Richard Armitage's Claude Becker. 
because he's not interesting and in, they haven't given me a reason for him to be interesting enough to to care that you're pinning it on him you don't does that make sense yeah, it does. Again, I think I may have, I again, I may have connected the story just a little bit more for you because I, I did. I mean, he's essentially the guy who a grift. I like that he was a grifter, just mm-hmm. like um, I, I can't remember any of the uh, Dan, Danny's character. From, no, what's her name again? Uh, Debbie. Debbie, uh, Sandra Bullock's not Danny. Debbie. Debbie. Yeah. yeah, you know that they were grifters together. I, right. I liked that touch, and she's he's essentially she's he's the guy that she trusted and he then ends up putting her in jail. And from a, again, perhaps I, you know, but again, this is universal, right? For me, that connection with that, that one guy that you just, you were like, yes, I'm in it. I trust you. And then bam, they sting you. Um, and she's been holding on to that for five years, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so again, I, I was down with that until that damn conversation by the ocean <laughs> i was like yeah. mm, <laughs> f you writers f you yes yes um because because i was i was like yeah i want to get him in the the scene where uh uh she's you know do you want to play a game and she's got the cards you know well when she locks him mm-hmm. up to the bed i mean i i thought that was hilarious and very funny well and so that, there were yeah. No, that's really, I mean, that part was really ingenious the way they were doing that. I think what they needed is to find a way to differentiate the storyline that, you know, Debbie and Claude are having from the 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 Ocean's Eleven. Um, mm. You needed to find a way to, to tell a, a story that wasn't so similar Yes. Um, so that all you can do is be like, well, this one pales in comparison to what they did, you know, the first time. Um, and, and that's, that's the, uh, yeah, I just wish that they had found something completely different there. And I will say too, um, I love Sandra Bullock, but I don't, she doesn't have the same type of cool as George Clooney does in that same sense. Like she doesn't pull that, she doesn't pull off the Clooney the way that Clooney does. And she's trying to do George, I feel like. And it, hmm. it, I didn't feel like it, her character was... Again, I what they needed to do in this movie is they needed to really differentiate from the original and, and create something uh, more different. I mean, even Kate Blanchett's character is very... Brad Pitt's oh, character. Absolutely. You know, like it's, it's like it's like it's almost a one for one and it's just it's frustrating because it's like be more original than that. Because the problem is is then it's just like, well, all you've done is replace the original cast with women, but you're not giving these women their due. Like these women deserve better. Yeah, I I you know, I agree with you. I I I like I mean there were aspects of each of their performances that were in some ways different for me that I I appreciated. So for Sandra Bullock, for example, although, and certainly the way the clothing that they put her in, definitely the sleek, cold, you know, mm-hmm. kind of calm, but she has just a little bit of, um, s- not sneakiness, but uh, you know, that side grin, I don't know what you, so she's not like she's so super cool. Yeah. She's still, she's, so she's got, she's got a little bit of a quirky edge to that character that, that I appreciated. Um, Kate Blanchett is more sort of like the seventies rock goddess yeah. version of that character. <laughs> uh, 
uh, although I kept wanting to be like, get your hair out of your eyes, get your hair out of your eyes. Um, I I actually struggled more with her character than I did with um, mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock's character. I also I so uh, my wife and I were thinking about this um, because we 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 were my wife was the one who called out. She's like, I just feel like Sandra Bullock just was a little miscast, and I I asked her, what if they had switched those characters, um, so that Kate Blanchett was, you know, the ocean, mm, and Sandra mm-hmm, Bullock mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. basically the Brad Pitt. And I, 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 I feel like that they might have gotten something better in that. Interesting. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think I think both of them are talented enough actresses yes. that they would have found something interesting in the subtext to to pull into those performances. Um, stupidly, I'm just struggling with the blonde brunette issue. Yeah, <laughs> but of course that's easily <laughs> Even solved. Even though they gave Sandra Bullock blonde hair halfway through the movie. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I think that would be uh, an interesting choice mm-hmm. also. also. I, the one character that I thought was um, wonderfully quirky, and, and I, I just wish that they had, again, they had just given her more to do, Sarah Paulson's character being the oh, the mother her. who is good at hijacking <laughs> shipments of yeah. trucks. And I she, ha- like, that's just funny. Like, she's a she's like a kleptomaniac with you know wa- dishwashers it's yeah it's yeah. Uh, so there there were some fun and and even anne hathaway's character being this kind of like oh i loved anne hathaway's yeah. performance i oh, loved it she was so funny as this kind of like dopey actress who everybody loves but seems a little bit ditzy um and just wants to be loved um and is lonely and like i guess like i don't know i thought she was one of the people who kind of stole some scenes when she was in them oh i totally i i really felt like she was putting in a performance that was almost a characterization persona of her celebrity self you know because of course people love to hate (laughs) her and all that kind of stuff so i i thought it was a very funny and nuanced performance it was one of my favorites in the film for sure. Yeah, yeah. She was just—I I don't know. I've always enjoyed Anne Hathaway, and and she can be very good at comedy as well. And so when she gets the opportunity, which she doesn't get a lot of opportunity to do comedy, um, she has some subtleties to her that just make her funny. Um, and yeah. so that look at the end that she, when they open the refrigerator mm-hmm. and they tell her how much money she's going to get as part of her cut that look that she has mm-hmm. dead face to camera is just priceless yes yes absolutely <laughs> um so we do have two gentlemen who play into the film you know we have yeah. richard armitage yeah. and james corden corden's yeah. only in the last like third of the movie um, and Armitage is just kind of in there throughout. Um, I love Richard Armitage, but again, I he's definitely woefully underserved in the film. Like he, I don't feel like he gets the opportunity to become as hated as Garcia's character was in the way that he was. Like where you're just like, I just want this dude to get it, you know? Um, I, 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 you know, Richard Armitage, shirtless, chained to a bed. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm good. I don't, I don't really need anything else. I, sorry. He, he's a good looking sorry. dude. He's a good looking dude. He's a very good looking dude. <laughs> but it's interesting. In my, th- in my theater, um, I have this problem often where I am the only person laughing, uh, at certain points in a film, uh, 
But in my theater, when James Corbin makes an entrance, the whole mood, like you could, the whole energy inside yes. the movie theater changed. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it, it went from people having, you know, being affected by that pacing issue that we talked about. And he just picks up the yes. film and the whole mood, the whole attitude in the theater changed at that point. Why is James Corden's character the one that has the most characterization to him. Like, he's so he's so nuanced. He's very funny. The way he inserts himself into every scene that he's in. Uh, like, he commands the room there. And then when you learn that he has this connection with Debbie Ocean and her family, like, you believe it immediately. Like, I, there was something about... I don't know if it's the writing, or I don't... I could just be James Corden, and, and, and if it is, I... I bow down to him because I 100% agree with you. He came into the movie, and at that point, it, it was a different movie. Yeah, I I often, having seen him in a number of things recently, certainly, and of course, he's so well-known for late-night television, he in some ways feels like he's playing himself, or at least his late-night movie guy persona which everybody i think just reacts to as funny plus i often find that d depending on what direction you get i guess uh when you're playing a very small role it's easier to play it big i guess i don't know that might not be true but he i agree with you 100 when he shows up on the scene it's a uh, suddenly people are laughing they're taking things more lightly they're into the film more for sure um, and he was very funny. Mm -hmm. He was very funny. Yeah. Well, and I felt like, I felt like there, uh, part of the this, and and maybe it's because again, it it felt so similar to Ocean's Eleven, is that there just weren't as many places in the movie where I was giggling along with kind of what's happening. You know, um, like you were talking about in the first movie, and and again, my wife and I just rewatched this, so, um. The brothers who are the drive the 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 drivers, and mm -hmm. they're the Mormon brothers, and all they do is argue the whole time. Um, and it's it's um, oh, it's James Con's son and um, uh, what's his one name? One of the brothers, one uh, of the Afflecks. Yeah, one and, of the Afflecks. Yeah, and the their banter back and forth is just so in in it's just insanity and ridiculous. But it, again, it's like this characterization that happens and it makes you chuckle at what they're doing on screen. Um, you know, uh, Matt Damon's, um, you know, kind of uh, very nervous Linus um, uh, and, and his um, stuttering and stuff, you know, and, and things like that. I just, I don't know. Um, and it it seems, it felt odd to me that that, Julia Roberts' character mm -hmm. feels more feels like she had more to do and more meat in the first movie than any of the women do in this movie. That seemed odd to me. Hmm. I don't know that I can reflect that feeling. Uh, again, of course, now I'm racing back. I haven't seen it as, as recently as you have, so I'm racing back in my mind to the various scenes she's in. I mean, I, I don't remember the length of that film, and of course it's a larger ensemble cast. 
Um, but there were certain, uh, you know, if you have less people to play off of and mm-hmm. less time to do it in. Um, but I, for example, I liked Aquafina's, you know, Brooklyn uh, against type, you know, <laughs> sort of rough, mm-hmm. uh, uh, petite Asian lady. Um, Polson, of course, I think she has some wonderful bits. I think Mandy Cowling, how do you say her last name? Mandy Cowling, yeah. There you go, thank you. She didn't have as many strong, you know, she's got her one, you know, big sort of scene where she she wants to get under the thumb of her her mom, Um, but I think she actually gets the least amount of character play uh, that any of them do. Um, But you're right, I do think it's less. I, I just think maybe for me it worked a little bit better. Yeah. If not, you know, super fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the One of the things that I was kind of um, surprised by, so uh, I uh, we, we talked about The Man from Uncle um, mm-hmm. a couple years ago, which we both loved. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Daniel Pemberton did the music in that movie, which I absolutely adore too. Love, yes. And he did the soundtrack for this movie. And what I was surprised was was finding out that he did do the soundtrack because nothing in it really stood out the way it did, and I would have hoped it would have, in The Man from Uncle because that score is just it's amazing. So, yeah, it's so brilliant. It's so good. <laughs> uh, and and I was I I wanted to make sure that I wasn't crazy today, so I went to to Spotify listen to the album and there were a couple of good things on it but for the most part I'm like where's the wow factor here that you gave me an uncle and if you I I feel right. like that might have helped a little bit if he had been able to pull off some like really sweet riffs you know in in the right places and stuff it would have elevated this movie in in a, in a really nice way right right yeah, and for me, I think the thing that, that, that again, as I said early on, that bumped it up uh, more for me is, you know, seeing Cate Blanchett in, you know, custom-made suits by Givenchy and, you know, seeing uh, Aquafina in Jonathan Simcoe's suits and that shot where it's the back of Anna Wintour's iconic hair <laughs> when they're going into Vogue. And, uh, you know, it was those sort of... You know, Toussaint is the name of a Cartier uh, director from the 1930s, one of the few female um, creative directors at uh, Cartier. So all of those little those little bits about the fashion industry uh, that I love that that for me was a treat. And uh, so I think for me, I was I sort of would ended up having an overall better experience because those things lifted it up for me because I really enjoyed all of them. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think that's really cool that you were able to find, you know, those little pockets of, of, of joy for the movie. Um, and because, you know, just like a, a fan of anything, because you knew um, more about certain things there, um, you were able to enjoy all the little Easter eggs they're putting in. Right, right. Uh, I, yeah, which I totally get. You know, I'm, I'm in the same way with anything that I am like ultra geeky about and where, <laughs> you know, they put in. Uh, you know, uh, just as Solo is an example, there there are some things in there that you have to be an uber Star Wars geek to get the Easter eggs of, and and because I did, it it elevated it even more for me. So I totally understand what you're saying, and it's nice that that ended up happening for you. Um, 
I guess kind of overall, was there anything else that stood out to you that you really enjoyed about the film? No, I, I, yeah, not that we haven't already talked about. I, w- I would say if, if by so, oh, I will say though, when my friend and I tried to get seats, we went on Saturday night because we also couldn't go on Thursday. We tried five movie theaters before we could wow. get tickets. That's impressive. I mean, it was like a hot, hot ticket. Our movie theater was packed. Man, everybody in Phoenix was like, I gotta, gotta, gotta I get gotta to Ocean's Ace. I know, so it, there's water in the title. It's freaking hot here. We have to go <laughs> yeah. see this movie. You know? There's water um, in the title. <laughs> um, uh, but for I, you know, other than all of the you know clothing references that I already mentioned, I if they were gonna if by some magical you know bullet this gets a a, a second film, really uh, I would like to see more of the relationship between. Uh, Sandra Bullock's character and uh, Kate Blanchett's character, because that was the one that I was really feeling like there was definitely something interesting and fun there, and I would have liked to have seen more about it. Yeah, um, I I think I agree with that assessment too. In in that sense, like I I really wanted to to like their relationship, and I just felt like that they the writers of the film let these women down by not giving them the material they deserved for it because it was just copying what had been done before that's disappointing mm-hmm. whereas like we were talking about earlier like you know uh, for me i think one of the the favorite things about the movie was i really enjoyed anne hathaway's character yeah. uh, i i thought she stole most of the movie that she was in um, and I really enjoyed James Corden once he came on screen, and I f- and I felt like his interaction with all the characters really lifted the movie, uh, and made it a lot of fun. So, you know, for you, if you were gonna rate Ocean's Eight, what what do you think it does rate for you? Uh, I think I would probably give it like a six pound Cartier diamond necklace out of ten pounds. Nice, nice. That's a god. Oh gosh, I just six pounds around your neck. I was just trying uh, to. Can you imagine? Uh, um, yeah, and, and them just them describing uh, why it would look so good on Hannah Hathaway. It was like, well, duh, yeah. Um, everything looks good on that woman. But aside from that, um, you know, I think for me, uh, it came out of the movie and and. Uh, the feeling was was that it was very mediocre in the sense of like it's just it, it's like you kind of said it's fine um and i hoped so much for more and and i really feel like oh, to, expectations man they'll get you every yeah, time and they will they'll but get you every but, time and, and part of that was just <laughs> the expectations because of who's in the movie sure you know sure. these are powerhouse women that I, I i i would hope they would give awesome material to And the main fix would have been, you know, create a story that is unique to them. Don't build a story that feels like, well, we've seen that before. So you've already putting them at a disadvantage. They don't, there should be no disadvantage for these women. You should be able to write an incredible story for them. Yeah. So I I would, I would point to whether you like the film or not, when they did Ghostbusters with the female cast Yes, there was a lot of hearkening back to and referencing the earlier film, 
but it's very different in terms of the story that it tells and who the characters are and what's going on in that film uh, in a way that Ocean's 8, as you just said, feels very much like just rehashing the same old thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for me it's a, it's a clear um, 5 out of 10 super long pink dress trains. <laughs> So, um, yeah, By Valentino, exactly, Valentino um, gown. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it, I what I what I really liked about this episode, and it's it's definitely something that I think is important. Look, we're not going to like every single thing that comes out in the franchises we love, and I think it's so important to be able to sit down and have a conversation that that talks, you know well about why we don't like something you know and and i think that's a super important thing especially in 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 the culture we're living in today where everything is either the best or the worst you know this movie and your ideas are either yes you either agree with me or you're stupid right (laughs) um and neither of those is true like this is just somewhere in the middle and that's that's where the unfortunate things uh, comes in because again i i really want to say these women deserve better than this script. Um, and I am kind of surprised that this, that they were all okay with doing this script. Cause it, it, I, I feel like if I had been, you know, Kate Bunchett or Sandra Bullock, I'd been like, you sure this doesn't just feel a little bit too much like what they did before? Right. So don't you mind when that happens? I always wonder what, what's on the cutting room floor what's on the cutting room floor is there a director's cut of this that is more interesting that just didn't Mm -hmm. the 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 studio didn't let get out the gate yeah no that would be fat this is a yeah if there was a director's cut i would definitely be interested in in seeing that especially if that they had some character moments that would really build in that so that when we were at all of these important quote unquote moments that were supposed to really be pulling for them, I was because I was connected right. with them. So, um, but yeah, super fun to, to get it to talk about. And, and I'm um, so glad to have gotten Alice back on the show. Uh, she has been so busy jet setting around the United <laughs> States with her, uh, her job. And so it's great to have had her back. But I really want to say a huge thank you to Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson. They've been supporting the 602 Club for a very long time through Patreon. And I really appreciate their support, but I also appreciate the fact that they support the entire network through Patreon. Um, Now, they understand that this is a massive network and there's no way that we can do this on our own. And so um, really encourage you to go to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can be part of the team to make sure all of the shows keep coming to you. Um, every little bit helps a month. We do have some different uh, contribution levels where you can give at a certain level and, and then uh, you get certain perks that come with that. So again, it's over at patreon.com slash trekfm. Uh, now, Alice, if anybody wants to geek out with you about high fashion and uh, the fashion world, which you are so much more attuned to than I am, uh, where can people find you? Uh, I am uh, Twitter at ALCBKR, Instagram ALCBKR66, and those really are the two social media places where I've been hanging out, although I 
always check in on the Babel Conference to see what people are saying because it's a really good, uh, intelligent, kind, uh, generally group of people who, if you want to have some really good, meaningful conversations about uh, geekdom, it's a really good group to hang out with. So I definitely encourage you to check that out. Definitely. I think you should. Uh, and uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can also find me uh, on Instagram under the same name. I'm here on the network doing the orb with Chris Jones. Uh, I am also over on the Nerd Party Network talking about Star Wars with John Mills over on Aggressive Negotiations, which is just a, a, a bundle of Star Wars joy every week as, as we pick out something um, that we've been thinking about in the Star Wars universe. Uh, and yeah, it's a blast. So check that out. You can also find me on Owl Post with Drea Kaufman as we talk all about Harry Potter one chapter at a time. And then, of course, you can find me last but not least over on Cinema Stories with my friend Courtney as we talk about films through the lens of faith. Uh, and you can find any of those shows wherever you get your podcasts but thank you so much for listening and y'all come back now you hear start walking